Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And once again, I'm going to give a shout out to social media and just the beauty of connection that 2020 has opened up for us. I am so honored to have Marie Reich on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about Marie. We met on LinkedIn. She reached out. We had a wonderful conversation. And I'm going to tell you what journey she's on right now. She's a transversalist, can't wait to talk about that, who's working at the crossroads of culture, communication, and media production. Marie loves to explore, discover, and connect the dots to design, manage, or evaluate projects and creative challenges. Marie wants to build a better world with every job assignment in her personal commitment. Curiosity is her fuel and self-discipline and constancy are her secret weapons. Marie's studies forge her analytical and critical background, her professional experience, her hands-on vision and overall approach. She has also learned that failure is her best teacher of success and she believes that giving her best and enjoying the journey will drive her towards a successful destination. She is from Spain and currently living in Berlin, Germany, attending the Berlin School of Creative Leadership. So Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. It's my honor to be here today. Well, I have to give a shout out again to the wonderful platform of LinkedIn. You are in the midst of doing your graduate degree, which we're going to talk about. And I just want to say how grateful I am that we've connected. And I look forward to another heartfelt conversation with you. Yeah, it was very nice that you, that you were open uh, to these dialogical exchanges. And I was able to learn from your expertise in the field of heart-based leadership. Well, I believe in any type of leadership that sharing and collaborating with each other is how we lift each other, we rise and teach. And, and for me, it's just a formulation and equation of everyday living. So let me jump in with some leadership questions. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. Okay. Share with the listeners your decision to pursue your graduate degree and where does your interest and inquisitiveness come from for heart-centered leadership? So since very young age uh, and in very different formats and ways, for me, uh, love has been a central theme, I would say, of investigation or, or understanding. And when I arrived to the Berlin School of Creative Leadership, I was willing to put my passion 
uh, with the leadership understanding together. So I started to investigate how can I uh, work with love in leadership. As you might uh, already suspect, I found a, a little bit of resistance. No, Whenever you say love, leadership, mm, it doesn't sound like it should be together somehow. Not for everyone, at least. No? So I decided to change it um, to try to, uh, to, to look at love from a different perspective. And I, I came up uh, with the word heart. Luckily for me, no? because that opened up the door uh, to understanding the issue uh, from, from new perspective. No? And there is where I came up uh, to discover that there's this heart-based leadership, I would say, uh, leadership, mindset, understanding, or even philosophy. No? So I would say I'm in a quest of better understanding uh, why our world has not yet been able to reach peace. And I think uh, understanding what leadership is and understanding what leading from your heart or leading uh, with love is, it is an important key in our, I would say, um, uh, self-development journey or collective self-development journey as human beings. Absolutely. And, and you're you're so right in your findings and your thoughts and your research because the word heart and leadership has not gone together. And I know Susan Steinbrecher, who was the first guest on my show, when I even did my research to create this podcast, she wrote the book on this back in 2003. And we had a very insightful conversation about the pushback because a lot of leaders were saying to her, you can't use those words together. And fast forward 17 years later, her books in the second print, I'm doing this podcast and you're doing your master's thesis on this. So I think we're breaking down some, some walls and opening up some new vulnerability amongst leadership. So I'm thrilled that you're pursuing this and it's going to be a conversation that we're going to keep, we're going to keep having. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure this is the, I would say, the beginning of the rediscovery of one of maybe the oldest ways of living that human has ever known. I fully agree with you. And I think the global pandemic has really surged leaders to step into their greatness. And like you just said, I am, I am agreeing with you. I think it's, it's opening up a whole new avenue of discovery. Now, my second question, all of my guests get that are on the show, what imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? I think this is, this is one of those uh, easy, difficult questions, no? And even more um, when uh, thinking about it and, and, and looking at my, at my work or uh, lifelong research on heart-based or heart-centered leadership, uh, it would be paradoxically my ability to show vulnerability at work sometimes, you know? We tend to um, present ourselves uh, within a strong role, no? And sometimes it is so difficult to break your own self-image and allow uh, your heart to open and I would say, and with it to connect, no? So I would say I, it, it is my, in being my challenge, no? It is also my pursuit uh, to, to continually uh, doing so. 
Well, and we've got to have a starting point. It's like any other goal. And I love how you describe that you look at failure as your best teacher of success. And it's that whole continue to be the lifelong learner so we can unlearn, relearn, fail forward. I love that. Now you describe yourself as an anonymous citizen of the universe and that you are born with a gift of communication. Your mission is to demonstrate that every small gesture is a weapon of mass construction and you see our life as our most precious work of art. Such a interesting self-reflection. I love that you coin and feel you were born with the gift of communication. So share with us who taught you and how did you learn this precious gift and how has it fostered your own leadership? So, uh, this is a, 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 I, I'm you, thankful for this, for this question. John. Although um, professionally uh, I, I work in the field of uh, communication and I've been developing it and I recognize, I recognize now my talent in communication. It has taken me, I would say, more more than 35 years to recognize it. You know, sometimes um, our most precious talent it's so deep within huh, that we are not able to see it. And with and with this, I'm saying that I spend most of my young age being very very shy, very timid, not being able to build up interpersonal relationships or even communicate uh, with people uh, trying to uh, get them to understand how I was feeling or, or who I was even, I would say. No? But uh, my, my, maybe, maybe my silent being no, was the one who was listening uh, to many other things and curiously observing the, the world. And it was after uh, a few years uh, long on my 30s that I started to notice uh, people telling me again and again, oh, when you speak, I listen. And, and, and then I started thinking, mm, wow, this is such a responsibility, I mean. If, uh, no, and I started having a little bit more of proactive conversations about it. And then at some point, it was uh, the people around me, some friends, even some, some of my uh, classmates at the Berlin School uh, and teachers at the Berlin Schools, the ones that said, look, Maria, we don't care how you feel, shy or not. You're going on stage and you're going to be talking about your perspectives and what your findings and your life, uh, life long life um, research, you know, and it was this taking on to the responsibility of my talent, what it allowed me to slowly, I would say, discover and rediscover myself in my ability to communicate and to talk to people. Curiously, I started my working career as a radio presenter, you know, but at the time, presenting on the radio, it was more like a natural skill. I never took it personally, you know, and I think in the last few years and through my research and artistic investigation, I've been able to bridge uh, these two realities, you know, my ability to speak in public about anything or everything or being a presenter for other people and my responsibility to step up to my talents and my passions and my interests and my views and talk about what it most fills my own being and it most drives 
uh, my own interests personally and, and professionally. No? So I would say uh, me stepping on the stage is one of those acts of vulnerability where I feel stronger because I think it's not me who's talking, no? it's about the message. And here, again, uh, connecting it with this being an anonymous citizen of the universe and all those small gestures. No? Each and every one of us has a message to tell and uh, I have to step up on my own message to encourage everyone else to step up on their own messages. No? And no message is more important than any other one. Well, just so many powerful little nuggets in there. I love that you have devoted 35 years to your talent. And I think it's such a powerful statement to say, we all have talent deep within. And just how you have framed your discovery and rediscovery and always bringing logic before emotion and not taking things personally. And you're right. You are attending a leadership school and you're stepping up to model the leadership that you want to teach and be. So, so powerful, Marie. I'm just so happy for you. Yeah, I think it's been, a, a, I would say, a journey of uh, enjoyment, no? Because when, when you start resonating with yourself, somehow you, you, you feel lighter, no? And, and, and then it's this ability to contribute that comes naturally as a river, no? I would say uh, that uh, when, when I listen to your podcast, no? And, and I see how you're doing the interviews and anything, it's something that you recognize, isn't it? When you, when you ask people, you, you see when people are able to be there in this sweet spot of surfing the wave of trying to devote yourself to your own authenticity, no? How difficult it might be at some points and how enjoyable it can be again, no? And, it, and as I said, it's on top of the wave and sometimes you fall down is in this learning, no? That, and, 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 taking, and taking the next one, no? That, that's why also I think that failing is the best teacher. I would say there's no failure. There's only opportunities uh, for learning. And to me, this opportunity to relearn about myself has been one of the greatest gifts that uh, life has given me, no? And as I said, the beautiful thing is that it's other people with you, no? Together, the togetherness of, of this journey. Absolutely. And it's been interesting doing the podcast as the only question, as you know, that I ask repetitively is the what imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? I don't share the other questions because I want to bring out the authenticity, the transparency, the vulnerability in my guests. And when you don't have questions that are given ahead of time, it leaves that openness and that space for it to just happen organically. And I think we've had some amazing guests. We've had some amazing questions and interviews. And all of the guests have enjoyed having the space, the time, and the pause to just really share from their heart. So thank you for that. My last question is, you have coined the phrase that all answers are temporary answers. I really love this. And I find it fascinating and interesting. And my question is, where does this habit of thinking come from for you? Well, uh, 
I would say, no, my first tentative answer would be, I am a humanist, no? And that's what brings my transversality. But then I would ask myself, and how come are you a humanist, no? Where does that come from? So maybe you, I have to, to look even further back into my, my, my childhood and I look maybe my, my context, my, my family, where I was, uh, where I grew up and, and who were even, I would say, the legacy of, of, of my family, you know? In a way, I'm the fourth generation of, of teachers on one side. My mother is a pedagogue, also a teacher and a hard art historian. My father is an architect, a philosopher, and also he's a specialist on spiritual thinking and, 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 and religion and everything. And maybe uh, the ability or having been taught to, to learn and relearn things from different perspectives. And I think here art, it's one of the responsibles for, for my curiosity and ability to look at things from many different perspectives. No? It's this ability to re-question and finding answers and then discovering yourself that one answer might not be contradicting the other. No? Is this both and paradoxical way of understanding life, no? This um, uh, ability to recognize that, okay, so if this is not totally right and this is not totally wrong, where are we in between? And until today I have understood this, but then I realized that maybe uh, in one year or two or two days or two months, no? Uh, uh, deepening in my study or understanding or inviting a different author or perspectives into my life, my answers get a little bit more in 3D, no? or this ability uh, to be paradoxically uh, contrary and, and complementary in itself. No? And at the moment that you realize this insight, no? that any answers are temporary answers, that gives you somehow the space of, of, of having this, I would say, humble confidence. And as a leader or a heart-based leader, heart-centered leader, it is important to be humble in your understanding that you don't know everything. And there's so many other things to be learned and you have to open, to be open to them, but also have the confidence that we are here and now, and we will be able with our limited understanding and knowledge from this recognition to find a solution that will fit for the need that we have in front. No? So it's this ability to step forward with confidence and humility at the same time, that it allows you to keep on advancing on your pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself at every single step. Well, I love that. I, I'm not even going to add to that because that was just a phenomenal response to my question. And I agree with you. All answers are not are temporary. So well done. I'm going to shift gears now and I'm going to ask you what I call my fab four. These are just mm -hmm. four fun questions. Whatever is sitting on the top of your mind. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready to go. Okay. First question. What was a dream you had as a young girl living in Spain? My dream was to be able to understand how come this world was not able to live in peace or say differently, no? How could be able to learn how to live in peace, no? Finding out an answer in order, I would say, to, to contribute uh, to build uh, peace in the world. That was something that it kept me so many nights awake, no? This frustration that became a driver uh, for, for life 
uh, life discovery journey, I would say. Beautiful. Second question. If I asked you to choose one word for the year 2020, what word would you choose and why? Wow. I think this is uh, very complex, but I would say love. Learning to love, even in the most difficult time. That's perfect. I love that. Third question. What advice would you give to an adult who's thinking about returning to school to pursue their education? Oh, well, go for it. I mean, if you're thinking about it, don't wait even one more second. Just jump for it. I mean, learning and educating and continuing and listening from other people and other perspectives and everything. It's, it's just like, you know, like nurturing uh, uh, water for you to grow and open up as the most beautiful flower. Not is this human flourishing. No? That's what learning allows. And if you can find uh, any way to learn in a participative and dialogical way, so co-learn with other people, jump, jump to the swimming pool and enjoy. Great advice. And my last question is, Marie, what do you want your legacy to be? Ah, this is one, one of those that uh, you think about it many, many times. I would like my energetic signature in this planet and in this universe to be resonant with the energy of love. So in a way that whenever my vibration encounters any other vibration in whichever galaxy, it contributes to incline the balance towards love. That's beautiful. Well, I am so happy that our paths have crossed and I know this won't be our last conversation. And I wanna wish you continued success as you pursue your masters at the Berlin School of Creative Leadership. And I'm happy to step into the circle of heart-centered leadership with you. So thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us today. Thank you. It's me who has to Thank you, Deb, for you, for stepping up and uh, with your gesture, with your step and with your braveness and courage, inspiring me uh, to also do the same. No? If one thing, it, it defines what the heart center leadership is, is to lead by example. So thank you, Deb. Thank you. I like to end the podcast with my list of five things that I believe help us lead a purposeful life, follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thank you for joining me once again on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.